his garage with his Corvette. And you know he cares about that. So obviously, if it's classified material locked in the garage with the vet, then because he cares about the vet, he's going to take care of the documents. Obviously. I, I, I don't understand. This is not... This is not the defense that Joe Biden thinks it is, if he even thinks it is one. I saw somebody describe it, how uh, it's the equivalent of Joe Biden sawing off the limb that all of his defenders have been going out on over the last 24 hours. Like, they're like, oh, no, Joe, we got you. We're out on this limb with you. And there's Joe. That's my best saw impression I can do on short notice. I apologize. Hour number three. Pete Callender here, News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Um, it was locked in his garage. Locked in his garage. The the second batch. There was a third. The third document that was found, or a third source, or a third location that was in a in a room adjacent to the garage. And this is not the documents that were found at the office in D.C. That's what prompted all of the investigation. And now the U.S. Attorney General Merrick Garland has announced a special counsel to investigate, which is the correct thing to do. I give credit where it is due. I try to. Uh, Merrick Garland was right to name a special counsel. That is a consistent application of a standard, of the law in this case. Find out where else these documents might be, what else is out there, what was in the documents that were initially uh, taken and, and placed in Biden's homes, or should I say hidden or stashed? I mean, if I really want to go loaded terms here, right? Now, now, we are to believe here that because he cares about his Corvette, that therefore he would care about the classified documents. So don't you see, like, even though classified documents and the, re- the retention of said documents, there's like, there's like a super high standard for that stuff, you know? He wants us to believe that the Corvette in his garage is going to be on par with that standard or even above it. It's even higher, like. His Corvette is so much more important to him than classified documents that, of course, you would throw classified documents in the garage with his vet because the vet is, it's vintage, man. It's cherry. It's sweet. And so he cares about that thing so much that you could, of course, get the, you know, high bar of classification for documents. You you could get those in under his Corvette's higher bar of security. Nobody had access to that garage or his Corvette except his mechanic, a fellow by the name of uh, We Steal Docks from the Beijing Auto Repair Shop. That's the <laughs> that's from PNW Bird Hunter uh, on the Twitter machine. Thank you very much for that. Rick, welcome to the program. Hello, Rick. How are you? Doing great, Pete. Thanks for taking my call. Yeah, sure. Uh, I'm just taking a step back. And I'm the last person on the planet that would have a good word or defend uh, Biden in any way. I think he's uh, he'll go down in history is probably one of the greatest mistakes. But in, in in taking a bigger view of all this, and we look at how poorly our government does at managing so many things. Yeah. <laughs> how do we know there aren't just quote top secret documents all over the place? So this, it's a great question. This gets to that, um, the, the theory, right, or the argument that if you uh, pass so many laws, everybody's violating any law uh, at any given time. And, or, and so it's the, you know, show me the man, I'll show you the crime, right? You have so many laws 
that are on the books that everybody is guilty, and then you just use it to selectively prosecute. That's possible here, absolutely. Yeah, and it concerns me. I mean, my my dad retired from the NSA and has passed a while back, and he's turning over in his grave daily <laughs> when you you look at you, you know the secrets we can't keep, even down to the Supreme Court not being able to keep something uh, from the public. Yeah, we ever found out who who leaked that? I have I have no doubt they know who knows or they know who did that. Uh, we'll, we'll probably never know. Yeah, we won't find out. Nobody will tell us. Yeah. Hey, I think Biden's Biden's awful. He probably doesn't even remember any of that stuff. Well, but, and uh, so the, there was one of the arguments sorry. that was made during the uh, the Hillary Clinton server gate, right? Which was that, uh, well, you know, so many of these things be, uh, get marked classified, right? And there's like this over-classification uh, uh, culture that too many things are getting marked classified when they shouldn't be. Of course, that argument didn't apply when Donald Trump was the target, right? Nobody cared about that over-classification argument for Trump. Correct. But Correct. that was what they were arguing with Hillary Clinton. And I don't know that... I don't know if that's true or not. I know there are people that argue that. I know there are people that believe that there's too much uh, classified material, things being marked classified. But one of the things that came out of that, and I'll never forget, was that the information is not classified because it's marked. It's marked because it's classified, right? That's a key distinction. Correct. Right. And and a lot of people think, well, you know, just, just put something on it, put something on it, and that means it's classified. But... That doesn't, like, the information, if, especially if you're generating it yourself, if you are a creator of classified information, it's not going to get the mark when you create it, right? And as Secretary of State, she was creating classified information and then not keeping it secure. And honestly, at this Correct. point, how many years later, is it any wonder nobody should be punished for leaking classified stuff or, or, or uh, uh, handling it improperly? Because she wasn't. Well, I'd love to see somebody take a look at how all of this stuff is handled anyway and and see where maybe we can get it make it better make it more secure and mm -hmm. make more sense but i have low confidence that you know that would ever happen yeah i wonder if they i wonder if we need some sort of a um a, a system at the white house or something or maybe maybe have somebody follow the president around all the time with like a big um you know, like a big, like a box on a cart, like a, like a wheelbarrow or like a hand cart that he's dragging behind him all the time. And it, he, the president would just throw stuff in there. So he's like, okay, when I get out of office, I want to keep this stuff. And he would just throw it in there, mementos, papers, whatever. And then at the end of every day, then the, the, the hand truck guy could just go to the archivist and be like, okay, here's today's haul. And you would go through and see, okay, he can take this, he can't take this. And then you would just put it into like a, an Al Gore-like lockbox, and then that would be yours after you leave. But you don't get to take anything besides that. Maybe Perfect. a system. Yeah, I think we need a system like that. Yeah. All right. Hey, Rick, I appreciate the call. All right, man. Yeah, see, I'm all about just thinking outside the box, all about solutions. There are no bad ideas under this cone of creativity. All right, my friend Ray Cooper on the Twitter machine. That's his name. He says, when I was in the Army and had a clearance, any calcified, probably classified, that, yeah, it probably should say classified, any classified documents were stored in a secure room called a skiff. It had a vault-style door and monitors and alarm system and then inside a, or a monitored alarm system and inside a certified safe in the skiff. 
No one person knew the combination to both the door and the safe. No cell phones or other devices were allowed in the skiff, and nobody was ever allowed in the room by themselves. Sort of like uh, uh, Jeffrey Tubin at his new gig at CNN. I'm kidding. I'm sorry. Uh, all right. Not sorry, really. Even having Secret Service around is not the minimum level of security required, and the fact that anybody, including people like Hunter Biden, could have access is a huge violation. Had I taken a document of much lower classification home and had a crackhead hanging out in my home, I would rightfully, at a minimum, be stripped of all security clearances and lose my access to any classified information, probably lose my job and more, and would be very lucky to not be prosecuted. Right. And this was always the case. Right. This is always the uh, the argument has always been the argument since Hillary Clinton got busted with her homebrew server. And despite what people who uh, respond with the uh, but her emails dismissals, it's not the emails. And they're like, where's your smoking gun? The smoking gun was the server. It was the existence of the server. And I'm sorry if you don't understand why that makes it a smoking gun when someone creates their own server. The whole point of having your own server is to delete permanently. That's the reason. You don't go through the trouble of creating your own server. We're not talking domain names. We're not talking Yahoo accounts. We're not talking anything like a website. No, no. We're talking a server. You built your own server. And then you failed to secure it while you were engaged in highly classified communications. And you would then send some of that highly classified information and communication to your assistant who shared her laptop with her pervy, uh, uh, you know, teen hitting on wiener husband. And nothing happened to her. No reasonable prosecutor would bring the case forward. Right. So honestly, like I remember when all of this was happening and I had people making these same arguments, they were like, you couldn't take something that was way lower classified and do half of what she did and not be in jail. So here's a fun Corvette fact for you. The 1967 Stingray can lose 60 classified documents in 4.7 seconds. It's good to know. <laughs> News Talk 1110-993-WBT. 704-570-1110. 1-800-WBT-1110. And here is David. Welcome to the show. Hi, David. Hey, Pete. How you doing? Mark? Hey, I'm good. What's going on? Well, being lax with classified documents is not, uh, how do you say, um, just with politicians. True. You know, the very people that you would think that would uh, take them seriously sometimes make huge mistakes. Years ago, back in 79, I think it was, I was an MP, military policeman, mm -hmm. up at Aberdeen in Maryland. And I was working across the bay at a place called Edgewood. We had a platoon over there that did basic law enforcement. And one night I was working midnight shift and riding by myself. And the first thing you do is you do what we call a lot of doorknob rattling, you know, security checks. And I stopped by the education building and found a door open. 
standard procedure is you go inside, make sure there's nobody in there, then you lock the door behind you and leave. Well, I go in, I'm looking around, and there's a classroom setting set up with a bunch of desks. And I have to glance down on one of the desks, and there was a document laying there, and in big red letters across the top was top secret stamped on this thing. And so I glance around on one of the other desks, and sure enough, same document. And, you know, I checked the desks, you know, in a small area. They all had the same document. And I figured, well, somebody was given a classified briefing and didn't take up the materials. And no, I did not read what was there. Oh, dang it. Even though I was 19 and a private, I had enough (laughs) sense about me. No, don't let your curiosity get the best of you. And so I'm thinking to myself, what do I do? This is not something you can put over the radio because, you know, people listen to our radios, Mm. you know, good and bad. So I got on the radio, and I said, uh, told him who I was, where I was at, and I said, I need the staff duty officer to come out here. And they said, why? And I said, well, I really can't say. And then the desk sergeant gets on the radio, and he says, what's going on? I said, sergeant, I need the staff duty officer at the education building. And again, he's like, what for? And I said, sergeant, I can't say. He's just going to have to trust me on this. And so about 30 minutes goes by, and this car pulls up, this captain gets out, and he is visibly upset. And he gets in front of me, you know, and I salute him and all, and he said, Private, you better have a darn good reason to get me out of bed. He didn't say darn. Mm-hmm. I said, Sir, when you see what I found, you'll agree that there's a good reason. So I told him, you know, hey, I'm doing my checks, I come inside, and we're walking, and I'm talking at the same time, and we're in the building. And I said, and then I glanced down and I shined my flashlight on the document. And when he saw it, his eyes got real big. And I heard him say under his voice, oh, my God. Mm -hmm. And I said, sir, you see now why I didn't put this over the air? I mean, how do you put that over the air? Yeah. You know, without telling everybody that's top secret. Right. I mean, not to mention the fact, you know, that if there's Russians or anybody listening, we're going to look like a bunch of idiots. Mm hmm. And so his whole demeanor changed, and he said, okay. And he said, you did good. You did good. Just uh, go back on patrol. I'm going to take care of this. Just don't worry about it. So that's what I did. And to this day, I mean, this was over 40 years ago. There's not that many people I've told this story to. I try to compartmentalize it. Fewer the people that knew, the better. And um, I did have to tell the provost marshal because he asked me, because he monitors all our radios. And he asked me, he said, what was up the other night at uh, the education building? I heard you call for the staff duty officer. And I said, can I come in your office? And he's like, oh, that bad. I went in there, I shut the door behind me, and I said, well, nobody told me I couldn't say anything, and you're the provost marshal, so I guess you should know. I told him what I found. Mm-hmm. And he couldn't believe it. He was like, boy, somebody's going to get a reaming on that one. But um, You never, never so you don't. about it. So you don't, you've never known what happened after that? No. No idea. Because, like, my first thought was, who's to say that guy, the captain that could, that took it all, like, maybe he just took it all up and, like, just shredded it or did something with, I don't know, like, maybe disposed of it incorrectly. I don't know. Uh, More than likely, um, no, he wouldn't do that. Um, The worst thing he could have done was just lock the door and leave. Mm. Forget about it. I did get his name, though, first and last, which I will not repeat. Sure. But, um, you know, he's a captain. I'm a private. 
You know, yeah. he says he's got it. I can't stand there and argue with him. No, sure, I sure. I can tell you, judging by his reaction, somebody was standing before the man over that one. Yeah. Well, I mean, luckily... It was a chemical weapons place. I mean, it was probably just a briefing on some new weapon, but still. I had to leave the door unlocked. Right. You know, where anybody could have just walked in there. Yeah. Well, David, I know you said that you, you know, you haven't told very many people this story over the years. Uh, Luckily, you called into my show, and so that is still the case. Yeah. That is. (laughs) Well, I put out just enough information, you know, to keep it vague and keep the players' names, you know, out of it and all. But, um, you know, this is all right after Vietnam and... You know, things were kind of lax, but uh, apparently nothing's really changed since then. Yeah, if anything, it's, it's probably more things get stamped classified and more people mess up. That's probably what has been occurring in the years since. It's probably gotten worse. <laughs> right? yeah. yeah, David, thanks for the call, sir. I appreciate it. Thanks for your service as well. Welcome home. All right. Thanks, man. I appreciate yeah, it. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so when the uh, – fir- by the way, if you're keeping track at home, uh, that is now – uh, one batch of classified documents taken from Donald Trump's possession and now three batches taken from Joe Biden's. And by the way, uh, this guy, this uh, this UNC law school guy, Charles, he says, oh, you know, you're being evasive. Because I, I, I said, this is the guy that I'm arguing with on Twitter. He's an idiot. And I'm like, he's like, oh, you know, you know he's like he thinks he's like in a trial. He's a law school student. So I said, it's a bad question. I said, you make your closing argument rather than perform this weak interrogation. I can appreciate the Socratic method, but this ain't it. And he says, well, you're being pretty evasive of a supposedly bad question. What? You know what they call the person who graduates last in their class in law school? You know what they call them? Lawyer. Yeah, so just be aware. <laughs> Not everybody's a fantastic lawyer. Think about what this guy just said. You're being evasive of a supposedly bad question. Because it's a bad question, you idiot. That's why they it should be evaded. It's a stupid question. They're bad questions. You, you don't have a right to have them answered precisely because they are stupid and bad. Well, you know, you're not answering this really ridiculous, stupid, silly, idiotic question. So that just proves that whatever it is I'm insinuating is true. So dumb. So this is the next crop. This is who we're training up. For, oh, my God. Got a tweet from Justin. It's a Pete tweet says, another thing about garages, not only can you store your Corvette in there, there's no visitor's log to see who might have been in and out of the garage. Mar-a-Lago has full-time Secret Service protection and security staff dedicated to those documents. Um, that Yeah, that's, that's a fair point as well. What else? Um, I had a message yeah, here from Andy uh, in a message says, maybe the DOJ tipped off Biden to scrub the Hunter stuff from the office before Congress investigates. Ooh. DOJ tips off Biden. But then why would the lawyers turn over stuff to DOJ? That would draw more attention to it? 
Didn't Clinton staffers take memorabilia from the White House, such as the letter W, off of the keyboards? And furniture. I know, like, everybody made a big deal about the W's, and I don't even know if that ended up being true. I remember the story at the time, but I don't remember if it, uh, if it ended up being true or not. No, it doesn't matter. But the big deal to me was that they were taking, like, they took dishes and stuff. They took, I, I think they took some pieces of furniture, like a sideboard. Yeah. And he says, can you imagine the amount of verification work the official biographer of Joe Biden is going to have to do? That's right. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah, and maybe that's, maybe that's why they took some of this stuff. You know, I mean, they, these guys, they take a lot of this stuff uh, in order to, you know, hand it off to some ghostwriter so they could put it in their library or write their memoirs or whatever. Like, that's, so I get it, but I do find it just a teensy, weensy, little bit coincidental that the stuff that they found allegedly, and I don't know this to be true, this is just from the initial reports, had to do with Iran and Ukraine. And what we know now about the Ukraine situation with the Bidens is pretty, pretty suspicious, right? And the Iran stuff is probably related to the Iran nuclear deal. And so does that mean then that we've got like a nexus point of nuclear secrets? Because that was the big thing on Trump. Again, don't know what was in those documents either. Didn't see him. Don't have a security clearance. Don't even know if I could get one. I would like to try and get one. I wonder if I could try and get one just to see if I could get one. Just to see what other people in my life would tell the people that interview them about me. That I'd like to know. Right? Because so if you go in for one of these clearances, don't they ask like everybody that you've ever talked to in your entire life? Don't they like go and like do these deep background dives? Well, unless you're Eric Swalwell, of course. <laughs> Eric Swalwell, he can still. Um, so I would be curious to know, like, what did my friends and family say to the feds about me? The correct answer is nothing. No. I said, why are you talking to the feds? No, I'm just kidding. I am just kidding. Although you really shouldn't talk to the feds without a lawyer. Just a heads up on that. Okay, so David Harsani at The Federalist, he says that as soon as uh, the news report from CBS News came out about the first batch, pundits and reporters began trying to mitigate the political fallout and defuse claims of a double standard. For example... Politico playbook. They cited comments from Josh Gerstein, who they identified as a courts guru, which I'm not sure if you go to school for that. Is that a major? Do you you get a PhD in courts guruing or something? Guruology? At any rate, he says, one of the distinctions worth noting between the two incidents is that there are fewer documents at stake, about 300 in the Trump case, Versus this very small number that was at the think tank. Of course, that got blown out now with the, the discovery of two other locations with more documents. Don't know how many we're talking about in all of those cases, but here's the thing. David Harsani points out, like, I'm no guru, but I was unaware that there's a, quote, small number exemption that exists. Is that in the law? Is, there, is that like part of the law where it's like, unless it's just a few? You know, unless it's under a certain number of documents, then you're totally allowed to take as many of them as you want. 
Or maybe it's like you're allowed to take one document, make as many copies of it as you like. Or maybe there's some restriction on how many copies you can make of the. No, there isn't, of course. There is not. There is no exemption because it's only a couple. After all, Clinton's national security advisor, Sandy Berger, who was about to testify in front of the 9-11 Commission, stuffed copies of a single classified report down his pants in 2004. He was sentenced to two years probation, 100 hours of community service, stripped of his security clearance, and he lost his law license. As a legal and political matter, the attempted destruction of a single report detailing the Clinton administration's failures regarding Islamic terrorism, that mattered quite a bit at the time. So it's not just a a matter of the numbers or the quantity of pages here. The institution in question from the original batch that was found was home to Biden's personal office at a job that he held, and job is loosely defined here, right? It was a no-show job. It's a no-work job. This was a, quote, job he held for two years with the University of Pennsylvania, where he made nearly $1 million for nine visits to the school. A million dollars for nine visits. That's about... $100,000 per visit. And one of them was to sell his book. In truth, most fights over classified documents are overblown, Harsani says. Who knows? Maybe both Biden and Trump accidentally lifted classified documents, right? That's possible. Or maybe both handpicked embarrassing documents that they didn't want made public and took them. That's possible, too. Right? Donald Trump, by the way, with his stuff, he, he totally is the kind of guy... That he would have taken the documents, not told anybody, he just wanted them. He looked at him, he's like, oh, I like this, I'm going to take it, right? I'm the president, I could take what I want. I declassify you, I declassify you, I declassify you, whatever. And then maybe he finds out afterwards, like, oh, hey, you weren't supposed to take that. And then he just says, oh, I totally declassified that stuff when I took it. I could totally do that, right? I could see him thinking that or doing, absolutely. For Biden... I could see him taking stuff in order to protect himself. And I think one of the earlier callers is probably more accurate than not when he said that Trump took that stuff more as a as memorabilia. I, I, I think that's probably the case. That's one of Donald Trump's superpowers, by the way, is he doesn't have any shame. He doesn't really get embarrassed. <laughs> so, like, it, he ta- he, he's not going to take documents that make him look bad and try to save them so nobody can see them. Uh, because he doesn't have any shame. He'd just take them or he'd just leave them. It doesn't matter to him. He literally doesn't care about that stuff. He literally wrote a book about how he sleeps with all of his friends' wives. His friends. That like that's his, he, he tries to do this to them. He, he doesn't have the shame. So, right. So he's not looking to, oh, I don't want that's embarrassing. I don't want that to get out. I don't think he takes documents for that. I think he takes documents and be like, hey, see this? Look at that. That's me. That's me with that crazy North Korean guy. Look at that haircut. Look at him. I mean, we're standing in front of these nuclear warheads and stuff, and so like that's that, like that's classified. But but look at that haircut, man. Doesn't he look ridiculous? I think like that's the kind of stuff he takes. Biden? He either's I think he's either taking stuff if he's knowingly doing it, and who's who's to say? I don't know. But if he's knowingly taking stuff, I think he's probably taking it in order to um, 
uh, have information for uh, for a book or something, or he's using it for for Biden Inc. He's going to try to make money off of it. Precisely the very thing that people said Donald Trump was doing with the nuclear secrets. He's selling our secrets to the Russians. That's what they, that's what Blue and On believes. You know that? That's what the Blue and On crowd thinks. They think that Donald Trump took a whole bunch of nuclear secrets, our nuclear secrets and nuclear secrets of our allies, that he took all of these and he, he is selling them to Pooty Poot, to Vladimir. That's what he thinks is occurring, that Blue and On thinks is occurring. Based off of anonymously sourced Washington Post story. story. That, like, that's, I don't know, I'm a wait and see kind of guy. I want to see what they actually uh, come out with. Now, maybe they're both lying. Maybe they, maybe they know what they took. They took it for bad reasons. Maybe neither of them knew any of it. I don't know. The big difference, though, here is that Biden gets the benefit of the doubt and Trump doesn't. Right? That's the big difference. Biden's cooperating. Trump was obstructing. The highly curated leaks from Biden's people are meant to get in front of the news. Harsani says that's their job. The political media, in turn, repeated nearly verbatim what they were told, but that's not their job. Their job is to be as skeptical of Biden's contentions as they were of Trump's or Clinton's. The president, after all, has proven to be an inveterate liar. Today's word of the day, inveterate, means firmly and long established. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. <laughs> a couple of emails here, a couple of messages. Mark says, so wait, we're supposed to believe that his drug-addled son did not want to take the Corvette out for a spin with some hookers? Or pick up a fresh batch of crack? Come on. No, no, no. I'm sure that Hunter Biden never once used dad's car without him knowing. I mean, it's not like it's some sweet vintage Corvette. Or Oh, yeah. Um, Scott says, Pete, I love when you call out idiots and name them by their name. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, you know, I'm a giver. Uh, Joseph says, what infuriates me more than Dotard Joe having classified documents in his garage is them being next to the gas guzzling Corvette that he loves and cherishes while demanding the rest of us turn in our combustion engines for electric poop boxes. Okay. I was not aware uh, that I'm being forced to trade in my car for a poop box. I would respectfully decline that trade offer. Thank you, though. Do not need a box of poop. Uh, John, talking about the North Carolina uh, state budget and what Republicans uh, inherited when they took over in 2010. That was from the first hour. John said, I don't have the exact numbers in front of me. I'm driving. How You're driving and you have all of these other numbers here? Listen to this. John. John, I hope you pulled over for this. The difference between the Democrats and Republicans in North Carolina when the Democrats were last in control of the House and uh, in send it in 2010, there was a $2 billion shortfall. North Carolina owed the federal government more than $3 billion for unemployment benefits. We have the highest tax. We had the highest tax rate in the Southeast. When the Republicans won control... 
They closed the budget gap of $2 billion, paid back the federal government $3 billion, put a billion in reserves, which saved corporations over $500 million a year in unemployment insurance rates, and created a rainy day fund, and funded it with $3 billion. So he went from a net negative $5 billion to a positive $4 billion, which is a $9 billion difference. Oh, and they also passed the largest, uh, largest tax cut in North Carolina history. North Carolina went from being ranked number 34 for businesses to consistently being ranked in the top three. That is exactly right, John. Your numbers are correct. All right. uh, Speaking of investigations, uh, Charlotte City Council member James Mitchell, a.k.a. Smudgy, uh, apparently does not own a stake in the R.J. Leeper Construction Company or the Bright Hope Construction Company. That is a what subsidiary of Leaper. Um, and so because he doesn't own any stake, he doesn't have any shares, he has not violated any state law, the criminal laws. Because in North Carolina, you're not allowed to be in elected office and give your uh, give yourself contracts, right? If you're working for a company or you own a company, you don't get to get the contracts for all of the money that you voted for. You can't do that. Mitchell, for months, though, has said he owns 25% of R.J. Leeper. Which is weird. Because if that's true, then you're going to face criminal charges. He resigned from city council in 2021 because of a conflict of interest violation associated with his role in this very scenario. He then ran for council last year because he got fired as president of RJ Leaper. So, so he's on council. He gets the gig at Leaper. So he then has to resign from council, but then he gets fired from Leaper and then he runs for council and he's back on. Now the city does have active contracts with RJ Leaper, a state investigation requested by the DA Spencer Merriweather, fellow Democrat, found, quote, extremely compelling evidence that Mitchell no longer owns the stake in Leaper or its parent company, Bright Hope Capital. Therefore, he's not violating any state law. Um, Smudgy Mitchell failed to repay a company loan that was given to him specifically so he could buy the shares to have the 25%. But because he never paid the loan back, he didn't get the share. Or he, the, Yeah, he defaulted on the, the repayment. And so they took the shares back. So he doesn't own the shares. So he's not in criminal violation. This is the best line, though. This comes from the DA. Spencer, uh, Meriwether's report said Mitchell continues to claim, though, that he does have ownership And he could even petition a court to make a determination in the matter. But he hasn't done so. But if he did, the DA says that would be peculiar. (laughs) Because he says, quote, admittedly, it will be a peculiar posture for someone to pursue a civil claim that, if successful, would also serve as a dispositive affirmation of a violation of North Carolina criminal law. So in other words, if Smudgy Mitchell goes to court to make this argument that, yes, I still own these shares, they are mine, then that would mean you're in you're in criminal violation. And that means like jail, dude. Do you realize like that you could go to jail? But I 
guess you still get to keep the ownership? Why run for public office? Why, why, why even go back to this? Why even put yourself in this position? It just doesn't make a lot of sense to me. All right. That's a wrap for today's episode. For today's program, thanks for hanging out. I appreciate it. We'll see you tomorrow. Don't break anything while I'm gone. Thank <laughs> you.